best way to get you going. This is VOC Breakfast with Gulam Fakir and Samira Sheikh Yassar, only on the Voice of the Cape. So, 7.31 is where we're at this morning, and um, we are going to be speaking about, actually, at this moment in time, I mean, all of yesterday we were inundated with news and information regarding the national shutdown of universities. I mean, we saw some protests taking place in the various provinces. I mean, over the weekend, um, we had seen the South African Union of Students House announce that all all of the country's 26 universities were in support of a national shutdown um, as of yesterday. And this was after um, South met Deputy Higher Education Minister Buti Manamela in Pretoria on Saturday to discuss a memorandum of demands. Now, students want all historical debt to be abandoned amongst other issues. Um, and we were going to be speaking to South Secretary General Lawandele Msolo, um, but I do know that they have been tied up in talks as well as meetings from yesterday, even when we had spoken to him. So he said he'd tried to take the call, but he wasn't too sure if he'd be in a meeting at this point in time. However, we thought to provide some analysis to us this morning just in light of everything that's been happening i mean we're speaking about historical debt we're speaking about student protests we're speaking about the police brutality that we see um is being meted out to students within protests we even saw um a a a a death that took place last week and that was you know with someone that wasn't even associated with the protest so it has been pretty hectic and a volatile situation um playing out here in south africa's tertiary education sector and we thought you know to provide some insight on the matter this morning we would be speaking to a professor of education at university of stellenbosch and that is a uh, professor jonathan jansen good morning and thank you so much for joining us prof good morning prof Good morning. Thank you so much. Yes, now I can hear you loud and clear. You doing well this morning? Yeah, thank you. All right. So in terms of what we're currently seeing at play, let's get straight into it with regards to the historical debt. I mean, South is calling for a complete write-off of historical debt. And you've been quoted in the media as saying that, you know, student debt cannot be erased. Why is that? Well, I think it can be partially erased, and and my proposal has been to erase 50% of the uh, 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 estimated 13 billion uh, by restructuring the national budget. This happens all the time, by the way. Uh, Remember, we bail out SAA, uh, South African Airways, by to the tune of 27 billion rands on a regular basis. We bail them out. So it's not like there isn't money. It's just that you've got to rethink your priorities. And I have argued for a jubilee year, to use a religious concept, you know, a year in which we forgive debt. And because if we don't, this annual dance continues every January, every February, every March. Uh, and sometimes it gets deadly, as we've seen. So I just think that we need to... The, 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 the problem is the students don't have the money. Most students just don't have the money to yeah. pay back historic debt. Okay, that's just a fact. You can, you know, hit them over the head mm-hmm. <laughs> them, but it's not going to change things. And universities, trust me, I've been a vice chancellor. Universities don't have that money, you know, lies away. So they, even though they only recoup a percentage of outstanding debt, it keeps them, uh, you know, financially viable as institutions. So for the fight to happen between students and, and the universities, it's it's the wrong fight. You know, the, this has to be resolved at the level of government. This requires the universe, and this I believe is doable, um, cancel the debt, 
pay back 50% of that 13 billion to universities or 26 public universities on a pro-rata basis. That is in relation to their needs. And that means they'll have money they would never have been able to get for the debt collection and other measures, mm. you know. Mm. And then the restart. Mm. And here's the key. You can't restart and again allow students to balloon the debt yeah. to, to the level we're yes. at because then 10 years from now we're in the same place. So doesn't that speak to, to something that, you know, Department of Higher Education really needs to address in terms of this is not the first time we're having this this conversation around historical debt, you know, students not being able to fund their studies, uh, students not being able to study further due to funding and financial issues. You know, why are we seeing this sort of thing climax at this point in time? Is it solely due to COVID and that exacerbating the entire situation? I mean, why did we not consider these options? Or have these options been considered prior to COVID and in, in years prior? No, I don't think the protests themselves is a consequence of COVID. I think that this happens every single year mm. at places like TUT, DUT, you know, mm. um, all, our, all our universities where there's a majority of black students who simply can't afford, you know, this kind of... So this happens every year. What I think magnifies the situation uh, in 2021 is, of course, the COVID economy, because even fewer parents have money, you know, having lost their jobs or being furloughed and that kind of thing. Um, but... In the background, and this is important, the fear that a lot of university leaders have is a repeat of 2015-16, you know, yeah. uh, where the damaged institutions, as mm. you call was close to a billion rands, uh, and where the damage done, you know, to the academic year was huge. So there is a fear, and that's why you see universities scrambling. You see saying, okay, we'll just register anybody regardless of that. Yeah. You know, other universities saying we're going to extend the registration period in the vain hope that students will find, miraculously find the money between now and May or April, you know. Mm. So universities are in a panic. And in a panic you do stupid things, you know. And 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 but this is this is cut and paste work. What we need is a systemic solution and, and that's the one I propose. Now, Prof, um, also if you, and you were talking about, you know, 2015-2016 issues, the uh, experience here where they, where they started, you know, just vandalizing property and so forth uh, until some of the demands were met. If you look at the current flare-ups that's happening at the moment, you know, they're calling for a national shutdown of these universities as well. If you look at the at the um, list of demands that the students are proposing, do you think that uh, those demands are realistic? No, they're not realistic. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, you know. But I don't think we must be distracted by that. I mean, students, uh, political movements will make ridiculous demands when they see a gap. And the, 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 um, the tragic killing of that young man in Brownfontein mm. opened up, you know, the, the political and emotional space for yeah. this kind of um, uh, hyperbole. Um, I wouldn't pay attention to that too much. I'll pay attention to the systemic issue. The big issue on the table is historic debt, because yeah. historic debt weighs heavily on the shoulders of the students who then can't register for uh, continued studies. That is the big issue. All the other stuff is fluff, you know. And if we can solve that, I think we will really be able to create a fresh start. Uh, and the fresh start for me means putting into legislation the, the kinds of instruments that prevent universities from allowing student mm. debt to balloon to this point. Um, and, and, and this is really important, making sure that 
we keep NISFAS alive as an instrument yeah. for uh, sustaining the... Uh, and the only way to do that is to impose a federal tax in law so that the day you get a job, as, by the way, happened for my generation, you, you paid back your bursary the day you got a job. Mm. Uh, uh, you pay it back so that your siblings can study without mm. the burden of Okay. Prof, just to understand, in terms of NISFAS at this moment in time, you know, being a tool, um, you know, within the system, you know, is it in aid of, you know, perhaps in the years to come, we don't see historic debt or historical debt ballooning, uh, like you've mentioned uh, uh, earlier on, as well as, you know, where is NISFAS falling short at present? NISFAS has got two problems. The one is the problem of adequacy. In other words, there isn't enough money within NISFAS as an instrument, Okay given the skyrocketing enrollment. So one of the reasons the minister said to reduce your intake by, what was it, 20,000 at UNISA, is partly because they don't have money to pay for so many students, you know. Mm. So, so part of the problem is adequacy, but part of the problem is efficiency. Despite the fact that I think this has improved quite a lot since uh, Randall Carlison took over as, as, as the head, it still has a problem at disbursing the money in time to each institution so that the students, you know, is able to, uh, are able to, to, to register and, and for many of them to survive, by the way, you know, with the, the funding that comes. So that efficiency isn't there yet, both at the level of mistress, but also at the level of institutions. Some of our institutions mismanage the money even when they, they have it. Mm. you know, uh, in relation to students. So the first problem is there's not enough money. The second is it's not distributed efficiently enough to get to every student on time. Yeah. Prof, there's always been calls for, you know, free education, the dream of free education here in South Africa. And, you know, given the South African climate and the context that we find ourselves in, you know, do you think free education is going to be something that's going to be realized, um, you know, on, 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 a, on a larger context, perhaps in our lifetime? I'm glad you asked the question because we need to, as South Africans, just be clear about our use of language. Education is never free. We must understand that. Somebody always pays, you know, and whether it's the taxpayer who pays or whether it is that additional amount that a parent pays, because remember, not all costs are covered. No matter what, you still got to take a train or a taxi or bus. You still have to get an extra book that wasn't budgeted for. You still have to. And by the way, one of the most important ways in which uh, family sacrifice is by sending you to college or university. Uh, I forego income. So even if that income was going to be, you know, uh, a McDonald's job, okay, I forego that income yeah. in order to get you into university. So the notion that education is free is, is simply it never is. Well, Professor Jonathan Janssen, we'd like to thank you for joining us on air this morning and providing the brief insight into the matters that are at play currently in South Africa. We thank you for your time this morning. Professor of Education at the University of Stellenbosch, Professor Jonathan Janssen, speaking to us this morning.